Thank you, thank you, choir. Wonderful, wonderful. That is wonderful. Uh, after our uh, gospel reading today, I kind of need a song like that. You know? But I want to tell you that the reading today is an apocalyptic reading, but so is that song. That song says, I see your future. And you look better. Oh, any of y'all remember seeing Rent on stage or any other time? And the angel, they see angel, she's died, and they see angel, and they say, no, she looked good. She looked good. She looked good. You know, I see your future. You look, that's an apocalyptic song. Because it's apocalyptic, because it doesn't just live in the future, because it lives now. And that's what all apocalyptic writing is about, is now. But to give us hope for the future as well. And so in the now, it says, I pray for you, I pray for you, pray for me. What's God going to do? Change things. That's now. I see your future, and my, you look better. You know what? I'm praying for you right now. And God's going to change things. So that's an apocalyptic song, much like our reading today in the Gospel of Matthew. That reading is apocalyptic. You know, he's saying, right now, there's tough times. You know, but there's going to be a future. And he describes what some of those tough times are going to look like. And I was on a call this week with some, uh, our, some MCC clergy, our denominational clergy have a call once a week if they want to talk about what the sermon's going to be like. It's kind of nice to be on those calls. People have good ideas. There was one preacher in Florida, and she said, you know, I can't preach about this on Sunday because it terrifies me. This passage was used when I was growing up to beat me up. This passage was used to keep me down, to tell me I was wrong, to tell me I was not going to be with God, to tell me that Jesus did not love me. You know, and she said, I just can't preach about it on Sunday. She said, it's too much. It still is in that place in my heart where when I read this, you know, I just still feel beat up. And I want to tell you, if you're one of those people today, and you've been from one of those traditions, I want you to, and I invite you to kind of let that go. Because that is not the intention of apocalyptic writing. Apocalyptic writing is never intended to keep you in place. Apocalyptic writing is intended for you to remember to hope right when people are telling you what your place is. Right? That's what apocalyptic writing is. That's what that song is about. And that's what our gospel is bringing us this Advent season. When we talk about a new year, when we talk about one candle being lit. Because in the face of whatever it is around you, start. Start somewhere. Light one candle. At the end of that pastor sharing how horrible it had been with her growing up, how she couldn't preach on this, at the end of it she said, you know, living in hope is a choice. She just said all this stuff, and then she turned around and she said, living in hope is a choice. And in that moment in the conversation, I said, she just lit that candle. She just lit that candle for herself and for us, that candle of hope. You know, I'm thankful, so thankful I didn't come from one of those traditions that beat me up like that. I was from one of those that they just didn't say anything about us at all. <laughs> Different kind of beaten up, but didn't say anything about us at all, you know. And so sometimes when I'm talking to some people who are pretty conservative and literal about the scripture, I respect scripture deeply, but sometimes I want to help them see some of what they're actually saying 
when they're saying some of these things and what the impact of it might be. And sometimes I do it with humor that they might not appreciate. You know, and so in the Luke version of this, we heard about two women will be doing this, one will be taken, one will be left behind, this, all this, one will be taken, one will be left behind. And so in Luke version of this, there's also another verse, and it says, there's going to be two men in one bed together. I like that version. <laughs> there's going to be two men in one bed together, and one will be taken, and one will be left behind. It has the same pattern as the rest of these verses. And, and I kind of think about that and say, oh, my goodness. And I talk to those conservatives. You know, so tell me more about this number you got about those that are going to be uh, lifted up. And they say, well, 144,000. And I said, okay, you know, it's based on 12 tribes, 12 disciples, all this. 144,000. I said, okay, tell me about the 144,000. And they'll start talking about it. And I said, okay. So out of the millions of people in the world, and then out of the subsection, the millions of Christians in the world, you know, at this time and this place this happens, only 144,000 are going to go. And they'll say, yes. And they'll nod their heads like that. Yes. And they'll say, okay, then I want to be a man in bed with another man. Because <laughs> I got a chance. <laughs> I got a chance. You know? You know, it does say some women get a chance, too. The two working together, one of them will get to go, too. But, you know, I got a chance. And they look at me like I'm crazy. And I say, well, that's what it says. If you want to speak literally. But apocalyptic literature is more than literal. Apocalyptic literature is about symbolism and about hope. And what does it mean to talk about what's going on right now and in the future at the same time? And how do we mix it all up together? And so for these people during Matthew's time, they knew what Matthew was writing about. They had their own times of someone being right beside them and getting taken away. Getting hauled off. They knew what it was like to lose people left and right. They knew what he was talking about. It wasn't some image of the future. It was right then and right now as a new people of faith, as a new church. He was describing what they knew. And oh, people of God, can we say, as lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender people who lived in the 80s and 90s and still today, can we say, been there, done that? Been there, done that. Walking in the middle of HIV and AIDS. Walking in the middle of people beside you. One gets taken. Another gets taken. And it doesn't stop for years. It keeps going on. Matthew writes this to people like us to say, you know what it's like. But I've seen your future. And you look better. You know, but he wants them to know he gets it. You've lost on the left and on the right and in front and behind. You have lost all of these people who you care about. I don't know about you, but this verse this day, apocalyptic though it may be, is something many of us have walked right through in our lives. Something that we know and something that we've experienced. And it's changed us. You know, walking through it has changed us. So however sassy you want to be, <laughs> it hurts. You know, we have that wonderful sense of humor, you know, helps us survive, and still it hurts to have one taken from each side and to have it happen over and over again. I got so mad during the middle of HIV-AIDS epidemic at a lesbian couple, friends of mine. In the middle of all of this going on, they decided to take better jobs and move to Austin. 
And I was so mad at them. How can you leave me now? Was I mad at them? Or one taken and another taken? But I thought they were solid, so I put my anger on them because I couldn't put it where it needed to go. We're still friends. We still keep in touch. But in that moment, I was angry at this. What do you do when you lose from the left and from the right? When one is taken and another and another. Some of you may get angry like that and not know what to do with it. Some of you may get depressed and sad and find it too overwhelming. You might not hear the words of my friend in the study this week that said, you know, hope is a choice, is a way of living. Hope is a choice and you can choose it. But the sadness may seem oh so overwhelming at that time. And this is not to diminish any of those feelings because they're all natural. They're part of the normal course of the day. Sort of thing that goes on with us when we're in those situations. Don't you know all of those things they described in the Bible were regular, usual things they were doing? And then it happened. And they couldn't be awake enough because they did not know when it would come. Oh, my. I see your future, though. I see your future. I see what you're enduring right now. But I also see your future. So here we are in the scripture of apocalypse, what it means for us as a people of God. And I can say, can you say, been there? Been there. Done that. Yeah. I was asked to do a, a World AIDS Day sermon at Rothko Chapel over in the Montrose with the little reflecting pool. And we have this wonderful, beautiful service where we're going to be inside and outside and float little candles in the in the reflection pool there and I'm getting prepared for that and I am at a place in my life where I'm not angry I'm not depressed I am not feeling I am just numb because so many have fallen on the left and on the right they've been taken and then that place how how am I going to do that how am I going to go forward and a dear friend of mine was with me his name's John and John said tell them because if it's happening to you, it's happening to them too. I don't know if you have been in that place of anger and or sadness and then to the place where you just don't feel it at all anymore. But I kept my arms up to keep people this far away because that would make me safe. Have you ever done that? Let me keep you out there. And if you're out there, then maybe I won't have to feel and if I don't have to feel, then maybe I don't have to hurt. But the problem of keeping you out there is when I don't have to feel the hurt, that means I also don't get to feel the joy. When I don't have to feel the pain, I don't get to feel the love. Because even though my hands are like this, keeping them out there, what's happening is my emotional world is shrinking to where there's no feeling at all. So wherever you are in that journey or have been, this reading is for us today. It says, I've seen your future, and you look better. I have seen your future, and in this very moment while you've been praying, in this very moment where, God, where you've been praying, God is changing the world right now. You know, you may not be able to see it, but there's this baby that's been born. 
and it's a coming. The change is coming. It's already started. We heard Shari sing about this baby this morning. Oh, there's this baby that's coming. The world is changing right now. Hold on. If you look, you can see it. If you can look, you can see it. So for the people of Matthew, in this story, they were hearing it, knowing that Jesus had been born and Jesus had taught them. They were writing it down because they were scared again because all the people who knew Jesus were dying or gone. Paul had been dead for about 16 years, and he hadn't even seen, he hadn't even seen the resurrection. You know, so all the, all the eyewitnesses, we've got to write this down, it's getting scary. How do we keep believing and in the midst of it, God says, I'm changing the world right now. Here's this baby. I don't know in your life where you've not been looking, but I wonder, right in there somewhere, if there's a candle of hope that's getting lit because somebody's been praying for you or you've been praying for them. So on this World AIDS Day, we remember, we remember all the many that have gone before, all those who are affected right now, all the family and friends, all the providers. Remember all of those in our prayers, in our hearts, in our life as we lift them up on this day. And whether we're angry, whether we're depressed, whether we're not feeling at all, we invite ourselves to let God come back in and in that moment to bring us healing. Some of you have lost your spouses. I see some moms out there who lost their sons. Wherever that hurt is at this moment in time, I invite God to come into your life for a new place of healing. Right there in the moment of now. Now, it is still scary. I want to read to you some statistics so we'll just know the scope of this. Right now, over 27,650 people are known to be living with HIV and AIDS in Harris County. It's our county, 27,650. In the United States, 1.2 million living with HIV AIDS. And in the world, 35 million living with AIDS. Every seven hours, one person in Houston is infected with the HIV virus. Every nine and a half minutes, someone is infected with HIV in the US. And every hour, 262 persons are infected worldwide. Feels a bit scary when we look at those numbers. And isn't it interesting? We know how to prevent it. We know how to stop it. Some people don't like us talking about safe sex, you know. We need to get them out of the way because education is one of the best ways to prevent it. One of the best ways. Having available condoms for people is not going to hurt them. Right? It's not going to hurt them, but it might save them. Having clean needles around is not going to hurt people, but it might save someone who, when they get sober, doesn't have to deal with being HIV positive. You know, we know how to prevent this. Now, I tell you here at Resurrection and MCC and all of our churches around the world, we even know a deeper way of preventing this, and that is simply church. Because even when there's condoms that are available, even when there's clean needles that are available, the person has to know that they are worth it. 
that God loves them this much that they need to take care of themselves and they need to take care of others because they're all beautiful creations. They need to know that they are worth it. So what do we do when we talk about Jesus and God? We're trying to infect you with a different kind of virus. And that's the virus that says you are loved and you are worth it. And whenever anyone tells you anything less than any old sermons you need to get rid of, you get rid of them. Anyone in your life, you help them see that God loves you just the way you are. And then you may be able to help them see that God loves them just the way they are too. What do you say we help the world get infected with that virus? You know? Then it becomes natural to say, oh no, let's protect each other. Oh no, let's make sure everyone has knowledge. Oh, let's make sure everyone has the resources they need to take care of themselves and to take care of others. What kind of world would that be? I've been in this HIV work a long time, and I remember when I stopped doing some of it because the kids that I was working with had been born after HIV was named an epidemic. Got that? <laughs> they had been born after their whole life they knew HIV positive and, and AIDS was in the world. And one of the things that they used to always do in some of these settings, it was the Youth Leadership Forum, and it was high school juniors and seniors that were interested in medicine. And they would come to Houston to view the medical center, and then they would have like a thousand at a time, these young people, have a day on HIV and AIDS. And there were always people from places who would say horrible, horrible things about people with HIV AIDS. Horrible things about lesbian, gay, persons, about bisexual and transgender persons. And the only reason I was on the panel, so the doctors told me, was to keep those crazies at bay. This is why I was doing it for all those years, was that people would come and they would say this stuff. And I would have them uh, raise their hands, okay? Any of you had unsafe sex this year or you know someone in your class that's had unsafe sex? 70% of the young people would raise their hands. And I look at them and I say, you know what? None of you are worth losing. Whatever you've been taught, whatever you think about yourself, none of you are worth losing. Let go of anything that keeps you from knowing that God loves you that much. So whatever you need to let go of today, I want you to let go of it so that you know how loved you are in Jesus. That God is hearing the prayer and doing a new thing right now somewhere in your life where you may not even see it. Yet, God is already working on that new thing. My friend John, who told me to just tell him the truth, eventually, uh, a few years later, succumbed to the illness and died. And I miss him dearly. But one of the ways that I know John and keep John alive in my life is through his daughter, Arden. And Arden is a lesbian with her partner, Liz, who one child at a time in the Tisangari, which is in Zimbabwe, Africa, one child at a time, they take kids who have um, been orphaned because their parents have died of HIV and AIDS. And so this lesbian couple, this white lesbian couple in Zimbabwe, so get all that together in your head, this white lesbian couple in Zimbabwe have put hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of children through uh, school and education so that they will not be as much at risk for HIV in a country where it's easy to be at risk because in those countries, over 25% of the new infections are in children under 15. 
And so here is one person who just lit a candle. Lit a candle. Started it with one child. Now they have a whole center. And I'm proud of this little white lesbian couple. You know, I got to do their wedding. You know, and I can think them over there doing that good work. And I think, goodness, God, they prayed, and God made a way, and they're changing things right now, one step at a time. So wherever we are in our life, whatever we are called to do, God asked us to take that first step to write that first candle, that first candle that's called hope. I am in this work again, because even though I was called in high school, God did a lot of nudging when the AIDS epidemic came back around. He said, it's time. Pay attention to that call. And for me, that was a little candle. And I want to tell you, today, this afternoon, Andrea Ferguson, same thing happened to her. Isn't that right? Is she here this time? <laughs> Is she here this time? And she's going to be ordained this afternoon in our sanctuary. But that's not all the good work God's doing right in the middle of it all. Uh, Vicki Gibbs is going to get ordained next Saturday. Does everyone know who Vicki is? Stand up, Vicki, so we know who you are. And stand up, Andrea, both of them. There they are. There they are. Right in the midst, these are little candles of hope that have been lit for the future where you look better. And just in case you're missing the point, you are too. You are those candles of hope for yourself and for others. Let us change the world. All in Christ's name. Amen.